So today I want to uh, continue in a uh, ministry of uh, the Word and talk about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, it, we need the Holy Spirit. I was listening to a message uh, from Light the Fire uh, last week, I believe it was on Thursday, Wednesday or Thursday, and uh, Dr. Michael Brown closed off the meeting before uh, Daniel Kalinda came to close it off with prayer and communion. And uh, the title of Dr. Brown's message was, We Need God. And I would tell you, we need God more than ever before. This world is going to pass away. I said the world's going to pass away. This isn't all that there is. This is not eternity here. This is not heaven here. And we as the people of God should know that and realize that, and we should be longing for and looking for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. But until then, occupy till he comes. And in order for us to occupy till he comes, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the anointing of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is necessary for us to be successful in reaching people for Christ and making disciples. And I'm not talking about being successful and having really good, sharp church services. I'm talking about the anointing that breaks the yoke. The anointing that empowers the believer to do exploits in his name. To do signs and wonders that would follow those who are preaching the word. And I'm excited about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I rededicated my life when I was 18 years old back in January of 1974. And when I did that night, I knelt at the altar and I prayed to the Lord, realizing that I had no power in myself that I could possibly ever live for Jesus. That I had tried before and I had failed because I kept falling, I kept sinning. And I pressed into the altar that night. I knew just enough about the Word of God to know that God was not a man that he could lie, that he had to honor his Word because he's God. He can't do anything but that. And I said, God, I'm going to fail again. I'm going to sin again. I'm going to fall again. But this one thing I do know, you said, you promised that if we would confess our sins, you would be faithful and just to forgive us of all sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I'm going to claim that every time instead of laying in the dirt when I fall and when I fail, I'm going to get up, claim your promises, and I'm going to serve you till the day I die. I made that commitment on that Sunday night. And it was just the, uh, the next Friday night, from Sunday to Friday night, that I was seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit, not understanding what the baptism of the Holy Spirit was. I didn't understand what it was all about. All I knew was that they told me that I would get power to live for Jesus and to be his witness if I had the Holy Spirit. I had no idea. Nobody could describe it. Nobody could put it into words. Nobody could adequately tell what it was really about. But I'll tell you that Friday night, after seeking the Lord all week long and, not, and coming up dry, as you will... Friday night after a Bible study in the book of Acts down in the church basement, at, towards the end of that, I felt a stirring in my soul, in my spirit. And it was like this anxiousness that you have to get up and get out of here. And I got out from that table, went up the long flight of stairs. At the top of the stairs to the right, there was a prayer room, a room dedicated for prayer. It was before they even made the, all, the mourner's bench. You know what a mourner's bench is? 
It's an old Pentecostal bench where people mourned and weeped before the Lord. And all we had in there was some metal chairs. And so I leaned over and got on my knees on the, by the metal chair all by myself. And I began to tell God that I loved him, told Jesus I love him. And up here, my mind was saying, you don't really love God. And I thought, I don't feel love for God. I, but God, I, Jesus, I love you. And I, up here, you're lying. You don't believe that. But I kept saying it over and over and over again. You know what happened when you do that by faith? You're not lying. You're being honest. You're exercising the word of faith. And I began to suddenly begin to feel the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit begin to just rise. And all of a sudden, my heart was engaged. My emotions were engaged. My mind was engaged. My spirit was engaged. I love you, Jesus. And I meant it with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength. And then the power of the Spirit came as a hand was laid on my back. And the anointing of the Holy Spirit came and I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Overflowing with the power of God. I'm saying this is not unique to me. Many of you have experienced it. All of us have experiences we could share about when we got baptized in the Holy Spirit on our salvation and baptized in the Holy Spirit. But I'm telling you that it's more than just feeling good, although that is so cool. That from that point on, knowing and feeling the, the liquid, hot, powerful love of God, the unconditional love of God, there has never been a time since that night, even though I've gone through some difficult times and trials, I've gone through times of pain and hurt, and the temptation up here from the enemy is you just will give up and quit because God doesn't love you. Well, I'll tell you what, I focused back on that night, and I think that is a lie from hell because I know that I know that I know God is real. He not only saved me and forgave my sins, but He filled me with His Holy Spirit, and that is undeniable to me. It was my anchor to come back and serve God even through difficult times. Times you want to quit. Times you want to walk away. Times you want to throw up your hands and quit. Times you want to walk out. And yet the power of the Holy Spirit compels me to continue on in the work of God. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is powerful. He has worked in my life, and I know He has worked in your life. If He hasn't worked in your life, it's because you don't know Him or you haven't allowed Him to have full access to your life. It is so important that we yield to the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit if we are going to live this life that God intended for us to do in these perilous times that we live in. We desperately need God. We need God. <clears throat> Excuse me, in John chapter 14, verses 15 through 18, Jesus said, if you love me, notice that, if. There's a question there. If you love me, do this, obey my commandments. That is proof that you love me when you obey. And verse 16 said, I will, say I will. <clears throat> excuse me, I will, this is what Jesus will do, if you love me and obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and He will, say He will, He will give you another advocate who will never, say never, He will never leave you. Who is He? He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But, say but, you know him because he lives with you now and, I like the and part in here, later he will be in you. 
The Word of God says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. We talked a few weeks ago about the terms of the new covenant made in His blood. And in that covenant, God said that I will make a new covenant in that day. And instead of external laws written on tablets of stone of thou shalt not, thou shalt, I will write the laws of God on the tables of your heart. In other words, there will be an inward transformation, not an outward confirmation uh, to a religious set of rules and regulations. The Spirit of God will write the laws of God on the tables of our heart. And I can tell you right now that instead of living according to the law, when you do that and the Spirit does that, you are living above the law. You're living by grace and by faith. He said, I will be in you. The Spirit of God will be in you. He will transform you. He will cleanse you. He will prompt you to live in certain ways. He will put a check in your spirit about certain activities that you say, what's wrong with that? And the Holy Spirit says, I didn't say that was wrong with that for everybody else. I said, for you, I'm writing the law of God on your heart. Because we are all individuals and the Spirit of God deals with us as individuals with individual challenges and individual danger points. The Spirit of God will be in you. And Jesus said, no, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. He will come to us by the Spirit of Jesus, the Spirit of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead. I don't know about you, but I love, absolutely love that passage of Scripture. You know why? Because I love the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. I love the promises of God. Now, Jesus is referring to as the Trinity. Now, the Trinity is revealed uh, on the, the Mount of Transfiguration is that Jesus is there. He's being baptized by John. Do you remember that? Do you remember that? Jesus being baptized by John in the water. John says, no, it's not fitting that I should <clears throat> baptize you, but you should baptize me. I'm not worthy to baptize you. And Jesus said, no, let it be fitting. We do all things uh, accordingly to what is right. You baptize me. And as he was baptized, you know, Jesus goes under the water, comes out, and the Spirit of God, the third person of the Godhead, descends upon him like a dove, not as a, not a dove, but like a dove, and rests upon him, and he was baptized in the Holy Spirit at that moment. And the Father, Father God, spoke from heaven and said, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. You have Father, Son, Holy Spirit right there. Somebody say amen. amen. It's a mystery that we don't understand, can't fully comprehend, but he is the three in one, the Holy Spirit is the third person. And Jesus said, when I go to heaven, I'm going to send you back this comforter. I'm going to send you back this advocate. The Holy Spirit is God. Uh, he is the third person of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is a person. He is a person. He has a personality. He is not a force, as Star Wars would have it. I enjoy a little science fiction like the rest of you do. My wife doesn't care for it at all. But uh, I enjoy uh, a little bit of that, and uh, sometimes a little bit of that goes a long way. But I do know when they're talking about the force, the force be with you, Luke, you know, that, you know, this, it's science fiction make-believe. I can tell you that Jesus Christ sent His Spirit. His Holy Spirit is not a force. He is God. He is the power of God manifest on earth doing the same thing that Jesus would do if he was here in the flesh. There is a, a, a big mistake is made when we don't think of him personally, and we think of him as an 
abstract from us. He is a personality, and he is unlimited in his power. There is no dark side and and, uh, light side of the power of God. God is light. God is love. God does not have a dark side. Can I tell you this? Satan is a created being. He is not a God. He would like to be God, but he is not God. He is subject and under the authority of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And he is under our feet when we realize who we are in Christ. Do you know who you are in Christ? If you don't, you're missing out. Live up to your full potential as a child of God by being filled with the Holy Spirit and training and transforming your mind by the washing of the water of the Word and applying and obeying the Word of God. And you will find out that you have a plan that God has set before you and a purpose. The other thing about the Holy Spirit is He is all-wise and all-knowing. Because He's fully God, He is omniscient is what the theological term is. It means that He knows the end before the beginning. It means that He knows what's going to happen to you tomorrow, next week, next year, and 20, 30 years from now. He knows the time of your appointment to go to heaven when you trust in Jesus. Yes, He does. And like one preacher said to me that really brought comfort to me is you don't have to worry about tomorrow because God is already in your tomorrow. He's already there waiting for you. He has marked out a path for you. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, the psalmist said. And though he fall, he will not be utterly cast down for the Lord will uphold him with his right hand. We walk in step with the Lord and we get into trouble when we go out of step with him. Somebody say amen. Anybody ever done that? Verse 26 says that, and the Holy Spirit helps us. Say helps us. Have you ever needed help? I need a lot of help in a lot of areas. I need help. I need help in my weaknesses. I am weak sometimes. I'm frail sometimes. I remember the psalmist David. He said, remember God, we're just dust. You remember? You ever feel like that? It's like, God, please remember I'm frail. Please remember I'm just human. Please remember that I have failings. You know, if, if people could be kind to each other in that way, that'd be great. Then you'd be manifesting the love of God from shed abroad in your heart. But we need the Holy Spirit to help us in our weaknesses. He is made strong in our weakness. He delights in bringing strength into our weak frame to, to demonstrate the power of God to the strong of this world. He delights in bringing wisdom into your soul, into your weakness when you lack, so that he can confound the wisdom of this world, the wise of this world. Somebody said the wise guys of this world. He says, for example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, Romans 8, 26. We don't know what God wants us to pray for. But the Holy Spirit does what? He prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. The Holy Spirit, when we're confused and we don't know, God, I don't know even what to pray for. I'm so discouraged, God, I don't know which way to go. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. Lord, I don't know anything. I don't know how to pray. Well, you know, he has a remedy for that. The Holy Spirit helps us. Have you ever needed that kind of help? Have you ever been confused and you don't know what to do? 
You know, we can press in to God and we can pray in our spiritual language, our prayer language that God gives us when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit. And when we don't know how to pray, we just simply by faith pray and let that wellspring from the Holy Spirit rise up and from our spirits, not from our mind. We're not praying intelligently because we don't know what to do up here. But down here, the heart, the spirit yields to the Holy Spirit and he begins to pray through that prayer language. It's a language that God understands. The devil doesn't know what you're saying, but God God does. Come on. And we pray this prayer, and the Holy Spirit perfects our prayer and prays to God the exact thing that we need and the exact thing we need to be praying for. Have you ever done that? Have you ever pressed in and you had a burden and you're praying and you're praying and you're praying in tongues? You can't pray in English because you don't know what to pray for. And have you ever been there at the altar, whether it's by your bed or in front of your chair or downstairs in your basement, and you're crying out to God, and as you do this, all of a sudden, you feel like, oh, the burden is gone. You feel like the heavens open, and God lifted the load from you. The old timers used to call that praying through. That you prayed through until the burden lifted, till God moved heaven and earth. You know, somebody said that we don't pray through anymore, we just get through praying. And I think that's the tragedy of our generation, is that we've forgotten how to pray. We know how to worship, but we forgot how to pray. Randy Rua said once that we sing to a God that we no longer pray to. And I'm telling you, we need the Holy Spirit. We need the ministry of the Holy Spirit, but He needs to be welcomed. He needs to be welcomed. You ever seen the the old picture of Jesus' portrait where Jesus is standing at the door and knocking? You remember that? And you look at the door, the artist deliberately left off any kind of a doorknob on the outside, a latch, and the, the picture depicts that the only way that Jesus or the Holy Spirit will come in as if you open it from the inside and invite him in. Come on. You know, have you ever had company unexpectedly and they come knocking on your door and ladies and your house is a mess and you got laundry stacked up in the living room and you got a mess of sink full of dishes and and, uh, my wife says she doesn't care because if they show up without calling, they deserve what they get, so... You know, it just doesn't bother her, and, uh, but sometimes it bothers, and you, and you don't want to let anybody in. Sometimes your life can be a mess. You, can, you could be doing things you know are wrong. You could be committing sin and, and putting off repenting. You could be making bad decisions. You could be treating people bad. You can be hateful and unforgiving. You could be looking for fault in people instead of looking for reasons to, ex- to exhort them and encourage them. And when he comes knocking on the door, the Holy Spirit, some people don't want to open the door because, Lord, my house is a mess. You know what I'm talking about? But you know, the real issue is, is he already knows your house is a mess. Remember he said he was omniscient, all wise, all knowing? He already knows. All of your deepest, darkest secrets. He knows what you're trying to hide from people. And he still loves you anyway. And he still comes to your door and knocks. You know why? Because he wants to come in. He wants you to invite him in. 
and he wants you to surrender all that junk. He, he wants to cleanse you and wash you. So he said, it would be nice if Mr. Clean knocked on the door. Well, I'd rather have Jesus knock on the door through the Spirit of God. His stuff gets really clean. And so open your heart. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He already knows what your life is like. He already knows how you've made mistakes. He already knows how you've sinned. He already knows about your bad attitude. But you need to let him in so that he can rearrange, redecorate, renovate your entire inside from top to, to bottom. I, can I tell you also about the Holy Spirit? He has emotions because he is a person, right? You know, when, <clears throat> excuse me, in chapter 8 of uh, Romans 26, when he says that he prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed into words, I, I have been there before um, and found out sometimes when you get so heavy under the spirit of inter- intercession is that you, you make these weird noises and up here saying, you're acting weird. <laughs> and your mind, you're making that up. That's not, but it's like something deep inside of you is just, oh, God. Oh, groanings that can't be put into words. That's travailing in the spirit. Travailing. Before the, all, before the throne of God, travailing in the Spirit, crying out to Him, God, help me. God, show me the way. He's all wise and knowing. He can give you wisdom to know what to do and what not to do. Sometimes in our humanness, we decide, well, this is what I'm going to do about this. Really? Have you prayed and asked for the wisdom of God? Because you know what the Scripture says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but the ends thereof are the ways of death. You can can make a decision that seems right, that pleases people. But we're not in the business of pleasing people, we're in the business of pleasing God. God help us to get back to that. God help us. We need God. We need God. Holy Spirit has emotions. And and Ephesians 4.30, Paul says, please don't bring sorrow. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you are sealed. What is Paul saying? Don't grieve Him. The Holy Spirit can be grieved. Have you ever been grieved? Somebody that you love, maybe a family member, maybe a child that has gone off the deep end and gone down the wrong road and, they're, and maybe a grandchild or, 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 and you're hurting and you don't know what to do and you're grieved over what they're doing and how they're living. God, they weren't raised like that. God, I felt like you had gave me a promise that my house would be saved. God, you said if you raise them up, in the way that they should go. When they're old, they won't depart. You know, there comes time when you can be grieved and the Holy Spirit is grieved inside of you and agreeing with you in prayer and the prayer goes up to the Lord. You know what I love about this? Is the Bible says in heaven that there are the bowls of the saints where the prayers are put and they're like incense rising up. God keeps your prayers in a bowl. Because they're precious to him. God doesn't forget what you prayed for. He does not forget you praying for your children, your grandchildren. God remembers those prayers. 
But we need to press in and travail before the Lord and grieve before the Lord over someone who's lost and going in the wrong direction. The Holy Spirit has emotions. He can be grieved by our choice of living in a sinful life after He's redeemed us, after He has cleansed us, when we go back into the pig pen and wallow around with the pigs and we sin. Holy Spirit is grieved. He is brokenhearted. You know what? He sees you as just hurting yourself and wounding yourself and ruining your life and the potential that God has for you because the Holy Spirit knows the purposes for which God created you for and has called you to. And when we do our own thing, we miss out on what God wants for us and the Holy Spirit is grieved. But if we repent... The Holy Spirit will cleanse us and restore us and he will wrap us in his arms of love. The same as if Jesus was as well here in the flesh. Jesus went to Peter when he was resurrected. He said, I want to see all my disciples, but I want to tell Peter I want to see him. I'm paraphrasing, of course. Tell Peter I'm looking for him. Peter knew what he did. He denied Jesus three times on the night Jesus was tried. I don't know about you, but if that was me, and I got word back, hey, Jesus is looking for you, and I knew what I did, I'd want to go hide. I'd be embarrassed, and I'd be so sad. But you know what Jesus did? He just loved him. That's what he does. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Welcome back. I don't remember your sins anymore. They're under the blood. They're not written in heaven any longer. Come back to me, says the Lord. And if there's somebody here today and you've been off in the deep end spiritually, welcome home today. The arms of God are open to you. Okay. What's the Holy Spirit do? I'm not going to get done today. The Holy Spirit is our advocate. Uh, the old King James says, I believe, comfort her. But the Greek word, you know, here from this passage of Scripture in John 14, 16, if you love me, obey my commandments. And verse 16 says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another comforter or advocate who will never leave you. Never leave you. Never leave you. Never I can think about when I read that there have been times when I have felt isolated and alienated from God in my emotions. Say emotions. Emotions aren't reality many times. Emotions are how you feel because of circumstances or events that you're going through in the season of life you're in, but they're not reality. And when your emotions tell you that I feel alone, I don't feel like God is with me anymore, you're believing a lie that is perpetuated by hell, but using your emotions to stir you up. And the Bible tells us that we are to live by faith and not by sight. The Bible says that you walk in faith, you don't walk in your feelings. And when times like that come, I have learned over the years to remember that the Word of God said, Jesus said, He promised, God is not a man that He can lie, that I will send you a comforter, I will send you an advocate who will never leave you, I will not leave you as orphans. And the Word of God is the truth, and teach your emotions to listen to the Word of the Lord 
and to conform to the Word of God. So you're feeling down? You know what my old advice is? Get over it. Rise up. Rise up. Take your bed and walk. Get out of the condition that you're in, that condition of being a cripple because of your emotions and rise up. I'm not being unkind. I'm just simply saying that you have to take authority over your emotions. You have to live by faith. And I'm not saying it's easy. I'm, I'm saying it's really hard. But you've got to get up. This word is more accurately interpreted as the advocate, as the modern translations bring it into. And it means that the Holy Spirit represents believers to the Father and the Father to believers. Rick Renner puts it this way when he talks about the Greek uh, words that are used here in John 14, 16. It reveals that he comes, he comes alongside of us the Holy Spirit does, to assist us in our daily lives. Not, not just when you're going through trouble, but every single day. He comes alongside of you. He is in you, but He is also with you. He is Emmanuel, God with you, but He is in you as well when you're part of the new covenant made in His blood. From the moment the Holy Spirit takes up residence in our hearts, we can continuously rely on His partnership to help us to be an overcomer and overcome obstacles that we might face in life, no matter what they are. I'm not saying it's going to be an easy road, but He will help you to be victorious. In other words, when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit comes into your life to provide you with the assistance that Jesus would offer if he was here in the flesh still. We talk about advocate. The advocate, as I said, is one who comes alongside to help and defend us against false charges. Anybody been falsely accused of something? Just me? Oh. Anybody, anybody ever say you did something or said something you didn't say? Or they misjudged your motives of what you said and twisted your words? The same thing. Okay? He comes to defend us against these charges. And while Jesus has been with them, he had been their advocate. One commentator says that he stood beside them like a counsel for the defense, a lawyer for the defense summoned to the side of a prisoner to plead his cause and to strengthen him and his position in the hour of his trial. Jesus prayed for Peter. Remember when he said uh, at, the, at uh, Caesarea Philippi, he said, uh, Peter, the devil has desired to sift you like wheat. How did you think Peter felt when he said that? Probably pretty discouraged. I think, oh my gosh. It shouldn't surprise you that the enemy wants to sift you like wheat. Or the enemy wants to sift this church like wheat. But you know what Jesus said? He said, uh, by the way, Peter, I prayed for you. He's praying for you. He is our advocate. He is going before the Father and he's pleading your case. And he's, he's making a good argument to his Father for your defense. Somebody say amen. He also defended the disciples against the charge brought against them by the Pharisees, the legalists, of breaking the Sabbath. You know, they break the Sabbath. You know, hey, why are your disciples 
eating grain from the fields before they wash their hands. They're going to be defiled, spiritually defiled. And Jesus said, hey, it's not what goes into the belly that defiles a person. It's what comes out of their mouth. He befriended the blind man that he had healed. And when the Pharisees demanded to know who had healed him or why he had healed, he says, hey, you know who he is. Go ask him yourself. And they began to rebuke him for having the audacity to speak to them that way. And so they kicked him out of the synagogue. He was excommunicated. And Jesus came up to, sought him out and came up to him and encouraged him. When Jesus was arrested that night he was betrayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus pled with his adversaries to allow his followers to go free so that the whole weight of the enemy's attack would fall on him and him alone. Now I tell you, Jesus has, after his resurrection and his ascension, returned to the Father, and the Holy Spirit, which is his Spirit, will continue, say continue, to perform in the same manner unrecognizable by the intelligent of this world to the same office that he has himself discharged for them so lovingly while he had been with them on earth. In other words, in the flesh, whatever Jesus did before, he said, you will do exploits beyond what I did. Whatever Jesus would do to assist you, that is precisely what the Holy Spirit would do. He dwells in you as a permanent resident. Permanent but only if you invite him in. He will not force his way into anyone's life. And he's the most reliable partner you will ever have in life. Businesses are fraught with partners who turn on the other one, embezzle money, do crimes that damage your reputation and your integrity. He will never do that to you. That's why some of the newer versions of the New Testament translate the word into comforter. Another one says standby. He's our standby. I kind of like that. He's our standby. He is always standing by. He is always there. He is never not there to help us in our time of need. He helps us. He empowers us. He leads us. He guides us every step of the way throughout our life. Jesus was comforting the disciples with the promise of his spirit who would come alongside of him after the cross. He was preparing them for his departure. And he would come alongside of them when, he would be perse- when they'd be persecuted and martyred by the power of the Holy Spirit. He would also be with them to empower them to preach this gospel in difficult situations, not just when times are good, but in every situation to preach the word of God. And I tell you right now, if they needed the comfort and the power of the Holy Spirit, we need the power and the comfort of the Holy Spirit as well. We need our advocate. Jesus was preparing them for his departure. The pain of his torture and the cross that lay ahead, they would have to watch and endure. And many of them would also die martyr's death, and they allowed to overcome that terrible, fearful obstacle because the power of the Holy Spirit was with them just as he was with Jesus. He is with you no matter what you are going through. No matter what crisis in life has come against you, He is with you. He is your advocate. He will pray through you, through groanings and prayers that cannot be put into words. We need the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you that we need God? We need the comfort and the love 
from the Holy Spirit when our friends turn against us. We need the comfort and the help of the Lord when sickness and death come near. When you get the bad news, or as a child of God, the good news that you are going home pretty soon. It's all a matter of perspective, isn't it? I'd like the worship team to come back. I'll have to finish this up another time if the Lord leads. But the Holy Spirit is so real. The Holy Spirit is so real. Amen? We need the Holy Spirit. Emphasis on we need the Holy Spirit. Sometimes there's an implication that is false that God needs us. That's rather grandiose thinking. I can tell you that's opposite. We need Him. And He is willing, no matter who it is, no matter what your background is, no matter how deep you have gone into sin, no matter how far from God you are, no matter how many times you failed Him, you need God, and He is there to reach out to you, to cleanse you, to wash you, to give you a fresh start if you just press in.